You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Well, Merry Christmas. Just kind of getting y'all into that whole thing. Happy Holidays. Some of you are like, happy holidays. Like, y'all, there's this little debate on like that. So, like, let me just help y'all with this. Holidays is holy days. So someone says, blessed holy days. It's okay. It's just as spiritual as Merry Christmas. Y'all okay? All right. So let's give that up. We got more important things as Christians to worry about than what people say. All right. So what's your favorite Christmas decoration? Like, how do you know or how do you sense at your house that it's Christmas at your house with the decorations that are up? What's the, like, one decoration that has to be up for it to be Christmas? The Christmas tree. Anything else? The nativity scene. Yeah, nobody's setting up a stable at my house, but we might have a little nativity scene. Actually, we do kind of have a stable, I guess. Anyway. My kids would feel it probably awkward. All right, kids, let's gather in the stable together so it feels like Christmas. But we could, I guess. We'll try. We may try that this year in the little stable in our backyard. What do you think, Sheila? No, it's going to be too cold. It might smell like animals. Shoot, we're on sound, sound like the Christmas story. All right, here we go. So you like the Christmas tree? You want the nativity scene? I know some of you have like special nativity scenes. Maybe you've gotten from Israel and they've got the um, the wood special wood, olive wood, and you've got that set out, that kind of, some of that. I know some people, like, they set that out first, um, and they set that out for a few days to remind them of the reason for the season, that all the other decorations mean nothing without the birth of Jesus, and so I get that. Um, for me, it's it's the Christmas stockings. I don't know why. I mean, growing up, my mom had specially made our stockings, and so they were knit and embroidered and all those different things, and somewhere along the move, they changed colors. Um, as an adult, and so we still, but we still have special, special ones, special things. And part of it, you know, your name is on your stocking, so it's yours, and so all that different stuff. So the other question for you then is what, what makes a house a home? What's that? Love? Yeah. What makes, you didn't know you were going to have to talk back to the preacher today. You're like, this is live streaming. Will people know? It's okay. Yeah. Love? What else? Yeah. Yeah. A place, a roof over your head. Yeah. Not everybody has that. Thanks, Ethan. Anybody else? Yeah. Sometimes a place of refuge. Yeah. Yeah. I think all those things are important. I think it's um, as, as my kids have scurried off to do adulting and all those different things. You think about what makes a house a home and the things that maybe defined them earlier. Some of those things change when you get around Christmas season and there's that sense of everybody coming home again and what that looks like. And and um, what is it? It's, it's part of it's the people that are there. And so there's different seasons. We're always in different seasons as people come and go out of our life through natural reasons or whatever. And so um, it, sometimes Christmases can be difficult when someone that has been there in the past is not there. And so as you get to this season, it's a season of, of, of home. It's a season of traditions. It's a season of people coming together. And it also makes me think about this is also a season where it's easy for us to become homesick. 
isn't it? And so as I've talked with my kids as they've been gone off to college and we're talking to them, and of course it's this, the anxious season of finals and all that different kind of stuff. And like, are you ready to come home? And um, there's that generally, which is thankfully, <laughs> they're generally like, yes, I'm ready. And it's more than just the finals, but ready to come home and just be. Because we together as a family and your family make what is a home. And so this 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 longing to be home and this potential for homesickness. There's this wonderful German word. Um, sometimes I give you some Hebrew and Greek words. Today I'm going to give you a German word, okay? The German word, actually when you learn this word, you're going to, you know this word and you probably say it quite often um, in conversations with people. Um, it's the word Heimlich. Any of you all know that word? Have you used that word? Usually when you, you hear the word Heimlich, you think of rescuing someone, don't you? Of those thrusts right here at the bottom of the diaphragm that expels things that people are choking on. But this is the word Heimlich. Is, means homesick. Um, the Heimlich maneuver is named after Dr. Heimlich, um, but Heimlich is the word homesick, and that this is a season where we've become Heimlich. You've experienced Heimlich, where you long for being home. There's another beautiful word that's German as well called Fernweh, F-E-R-N-W-E-H, with a V for the W, right? So Fernweh. And it's an interesting word because it's this, this idea of you long for something, you long for a land or a home that you have never been to, but it feels like you have. It's a weird word, right? But for us as Christians, when you think about it, in Christ, there's kind of a homesickness. That we, we, at times, we want to be home. We want to be experienced family, all that different stuff. But there's also this longing, this fern vey that we have of the more that Christ settles into our heart and makes his home in our heart, the more comfortable we become with him. And when we're not with him, we long for that. But also that we have this longing for our eternal home in heaven, a distant land, a distant place that we've never been. But because Christ is making himself at home in our hearts we have a feeling of what it might be like, a sense of what heaven could possibly be to be in the presence of God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit, to experience this idea of longing for him. And so as we read part of the Christmas story, I'm thinking about this idea of home. I mean, this past week I experienced uh, on last Sunday when I was performing a wedding, it's the establishment of a home at right? their beginning and they're thinking about the traditions. And as I did premarital counseling with them, I'm talking about, you know, how's your finances? What are you going to do for Thanksgiving and Christmas and all those different things that they're doing because they're establishing their home. Then this week also I was as an officiant of someone who's gone home, someone who had passed away. And so they've, they've established they were married for 50 years and now They've passed away, and so a new home, and what thinking about the longing for someone in Christ, longing for that, and, and what home looks like and feels like. So we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33, and Ephesians chapter 3. And in Luke chapter 1, we're getting into the Christmas story. And in the Christmas story, right before the passage that we're going to read in verse 26, um, an angel shows up to this guy named Zechariah. Now, Zechariah is a priest at the temple in Jerusalem, and so his service, he, his 
lot was cast, and so it was his time to come into the temple and do his work. And so he goes into the temple for a week, and uh, one of the days that he was in there, people are gathered outside of the sanctuary. They weren't allowed into the place that Zechariah could go because he was a priest. He was able to go other places. And so he was in the inner sanctuary on behalf of the people, and his job that day was to light candles and to light incense. And the reason that he was lighting candles and lighting incense is because it was symbolic, the wafting up of the smoke and of the incense was symbolic of the prayers of those outside. And so he went in to the inner sanctuary, lit incense, lit candles while people outside were praying. It was symbolic of that. And it should have taken a certain amount of time, but it took a little bit longer this time than normal. And so people began to, to worry about Zechariah. As a matter of fact, Every year on, a, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies, which is the inner sanctuary. And the people were so worried that something might happen to them in the Holy of Holies. And what would you do if you, only the high priest could enter in on the Day of Atonement? What would you do if the high priest gets shocked and something happens and they die in the Holy of Holies? How do we get them out? So they actually used to tie a rope around his leg. So if, if it didn't jingle, they would pull him out, okay? And so um, it was that kind of idea of like, hey, Zachariah's been in there a long time. Should we have tied a rope around him so we could pull him out for us? And so he actually has this experience. So an angel Gabriel shows up to Zechariah while he's doing his job and tells him, hey, Zechariah, I know you're old. Um, I know your wife is old and you've always wanted for a child and you prayed for a child and you've actually kind of given up. Like you're such an age, it's probably you're thinking, hey, it's not going to happen. It's past our time. And um, the Lord wants you to know that you will have a child, that your wife will be with child. And this child will be a special child. He will be a forerunner. He'll be like an Elijah, the prophet Elijah, and he will be a forerunner to the Messiah. He will tell people about the Messiah to come and prepare them for that. And so Zechariah was like, are you sure? Do you know how old I am? Do you know how old Elizabeth is? He has this little debate with Gabriel, and Gabriel says, listen, because you've doubted, not just me, but you've doubted the message of God, I'm going to shut your mouth until your child is born. And so he exits out of the sanctuary. He's had this encounter with God. He can't speak. So now he's doing all this different stuff to tell people on the outside what's happened, what took so long. And so that is kind of the context and the setting. And so Gabriel had spoken to Zechariah. He spoke once before to the prophet Daniel, and now he's about to speak again. He enters our story again in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. If not, it'll be on the screen. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, prophecy had been told, the promise is there. So Elizabeth is pregnant. A God then, God then sent an angel... Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. You can underline that in your notes. It's important. It's a part of prophecy. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now that word favored, we get our word grace. He was telling her, hey, listen, you have received favor. You have received grace. It's not anything you've earned. It's not because you're special. It's not because you have an education. It's not because you're the most obedient, any of this different stuff. It's just because God has favored you. He's given grace to you. Favored woman, the Lord is with you. This is one of my favorite parts of the story. Verse 29, confused and disturbed. So I feel like you sometimes that God says, hey, Chris, hey, Whatever, and you're like confused and disturbed, like, really? You're talking to me and you want me to do this? 
Can you imagine a 12, 13, 14-year-old young lady and an angel shows up and says what he's about to say to her, just the experience of what's happening. Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found grace. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus. The Lord is salvation is what it means. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He'll be his house from the house of David. He will reign over Israel, the house of Jacob, forever. His kingdom will never end. So it's an interesting story. Here's this young lady, poor, from an obscure town, an obscure village. As a matter of fact, Nazareth is so obscure that they have to put in the word Galilee. They have to let us know that, hey, that it's Galilee, the Nazareth of Galilee. As a matter of fact, I was at an event this week and I was talking to somebody and we were, somebody said, hey, where are you from? And they said, Praha. And everybody's like, where's that? <laughs> and so this person said, oh, it's near Flatonia. And I thought to myself, this is this kind of a moment is if your town is so small and so obscure and so, I would say not downgrading it, but insignificant, that you have to say Flatonia, that's like this. That's Nazareth. Nazareth is so small and obscure that to go, yeah, we're in, we're, that, that one in Galilee, that one. A clarification that that's home. But if you're from Praha or Nazareth, that's home. That, that means something. When you go back, you have a pride. You know those people. It's not just the place, but it's, it's the people. Mary was a young lady betrothed to Joseph. And as you know, that, that that was different back then. If someone was engaged, it was like they were married. There was the only way that they could break that engagement or that betrothal was through a divorce. And so it was a commitment that had been made. And Joseph was a stonemason. Um, some of you have learned he's a carpenter. Back in those days, that was a stonemason. So he built houses and built things out of stone. And he's still at home with his parents. She's still at home with her parents. She's at home in a betrothal. She's preparing herself for the wedding day. She's, you know, again, 12, 13, 14. She's got, still got stuff to learn. What's it going to be like to be a wife? What's it like to, to have my home and to make my home? He's back at his father's house, and they've established another room on the house, and he's preparing that room for her. And so he's, you know, it's going to take 12 months, and there's going to be a day where the father says, hey, the room is done, and they'll, they'll go, and the wedding day will be there. But he's preparing a house on his father's house, and she will join him there. Those are the things that are on her mind when the angel Gabriel shows up. She's just preparing herself for that day. And then all of a sudden God interrupts her plan. She's dazed and confused. Joseph was a blood relative to the Kings. 23 and me, the results came back. He's, he's part of it. Ancestry me, he double checked it. It's all good. He's ready to go. Mary is a young lady from Nazareth betrothed to Joseph, a stonemason, and she's highly favored. She received grace. She didn't earn God's favor. She's just a young woman who's been obedient and God chose her. She's received charis or grace. So Mary, when you bring home this boy, you're going to call him Joshua. Yahweh is salvation because that's his job. That's his work. That's identity. That's his purpose. When you bring the boy home, you're bringing home God. Can you imagine? What would you do to your house if you knew that God was coming over? You would post on Facebook, I need somebody 
come now. Who's the best? He's of the house of Jacob. He's from the lineage of King David. When you bring home Jesus, you're bringing home a future king. Do you redecorate the nursery? Actually, he's already king, but people need to know and grow into understanding that he's not just the king, but he's the king of kings and Lord of lords. When you bring your home, your boy, Mary, God will complete his promises to Israel, to the house of Jacob, the original recipients of the announcement, even as the original promise extends beyond just the Jews. They don't even know that yet, but the promise is going to extend. The house is going to be bigger. Have you ever had that where you sent invitations and other people and more people showed up? And you're like, Do we, are we going to have enough food? That's the story of Jesus. There was original invitation sent, but there's more that are going to become. It's not just the house of the Jews, but the house of the entire cosmos. For God so loved the cosmos that he sent his son, not just the Jews. In Ephesians 3, 6, it said, this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. In other words, anyone who says yes to Jesus becomes a child of God and as a child of God, his inheritance is ours. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. How differently would you treat your house if you knew that God was moving in? Some of you have had Christmas parties already. Did you clean? Certain people are coming over, you clean extra, don't you? I'm not going to call out one of my children, but one of my children recently went to college. And um, we cleaned out his room before he went, and we moved the bed. I figured out that's how he cleaned. So when we had friends over and we said, hey, it's time to clean your room, he's like, okay. And I'm sure he probably, there's, he had to have worked his way around and had a board or something and like shoving stuff underneath there because we moved it and there was like six years of stuff. And he was laughing about it. It was kind of funny, you know, it's kind of that deal. But I'm like, holy moly, if your mother had known, right? Because mom goes around and does an inspection and she's like checking everything because they don't want anything to embarrass mama. And so you're going to check if there's any nook and cranny, any cobwebs, there's anything, because somebody might come with a more careful eye than you and see that your house is not clean. Here's the beautiful thing about God is that God says, I will establish a home in your heart. And one of the things I think that most of us want is that we want friends in our life that can come over that we don't have to clean for. Mm. (laughs) So I heard some amens. Why? Because that means we don't have to have any pretense. That friends that we don't have to clean for can come over and they just know that we live in the house and that, you know what, there might be some crumbs somewhere, there might be some stuff or whatever. Some of you, you have a party and people come over and you move the stove. Have you ever moved the stove and cleaned behind the stove? It is nasty back there. I'm like, how does stuff get back there? Like a Skittle from 20 years ago. Like, how did that get back there? Like, what is that? Are you moved the refrigerator and there's stuff back there? You're like, man, how do we not have more animals in the house with all of this stuff? And, and we just have this pretense of what we think our life. We build an image so that when people come over, we have things together. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and 17, and how our house can be. 
When I think of all this, he thinks about the fact that, that God's plan has enveloped everybody in the cosmos now. I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven on earth. And I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Look at this, verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. The creator of the universe has the entire cosmos at his disposal. And he chooses to make his home in your heart. Do you know your heart? If your heart's like some of your houses, there's some stuff in there, isn't there? Some stuff you want to hide, some stuff you want to put away, some stuff that you want to shove underneath the bed. And Christ says, listen, I don't want to be that kind of friend. I'm not that kind of a friend. I come into your heart when it's the messiest. You can try to tidy up, but that's the beautiful thing about the Savior of the world is that he takes residence with inside of your home and says, listen, I'm not worried about the cobwebs right now. I'm not worried about the stuff that you're hiding. I just want you to know that I'm here with you and I want to reside with you. And that there's no pretense here. Yes, there's going to be times we're going to pull out the stove one day. But today's not the day. There will be, after maybe several years, we'll even move the fridge and check that out and maybe even clean the fridge out. Maybe the freezer. Or maybe that closet that you've kind of hidden some stuff. I don't know about you, but whenever people come over, we clean everything. And then there's like one space in the house where we're like, okay, I don't know what to do with this right now, with this, with this, with this. We're going to shove it somewhere, right? It may be in the garage, maybe whatever. And so you tell people, hey, you can go anywhere. But then you kind of put this little crime tape over this door, right? Like, don't go out that door because if you do, you will see my life. But here's my pretend life here. And Jesus says, listen, there's no hiding anything. There's no hiding anything here. There's this beautiful German word that's added. It's, the root word is heimlich, but the word is unheimlich. Put a U-N in front of the heimlich. And the definition of that is something hidden in the home that was never meant to come to light. An um Heimlich is something that's in the home that's there that you never wanted to come to light. Heimlich, you long for home. Un Heimlich, you don't want anyone really knowing where you live and how you live. Heimlich, I cannot wait to be home. Unheimlich, I hope no one finds out about my house. I've got too much stuff hidden. Home is where Christ has established himself and is making himself at home in your heart. A friend without pretense that he can come and go and sit and can go in any place in your room and in your house. And you just know that you know that you know that there's no judgment. He's just there because he's a friend. And that as you get to know him a little bit more, you, you, you get to love him a little bit more, and he gets to, to love you, get to experience the fullness of his love for you. Our hearts are transformed by Christ's presence and dwelling in our heart. And so that the longer we know him and the more we get comfortable with him and how he loves us, and cares for us, it creates that word farnve, that distant longing and aching 
for the fullness of Christ. To be in his presence and to be with him for all eternity with him and God the Father and God the Spirit. And that we experience the fullness of the radiance of his beauty and what it means to sit in the presence of God without any judgment, without any sin anymore because he's taken it away. And we don't have to clean the house anymore. That the house that Jesus, the room that Jesus is building for us in heaven is a room that's perfectly ready for us. And when that day comes, the God, the Father says, Jesus, it's time to go get the kids. The house and the room will be ready, perfectly prepared and clean for you. That you get to reside in the presence. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, it says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. Far and they. If this were not so, would I not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come home and I will come back and get you so that you can go home. So that you'll always be with me where I am. And you know where I am going. I'm going home. So in a season like this, the fun and what Christmas is, realize that, hey, listen, Christmas isn't perfect for everybody. Going home isn't necessarily for everyone of what we picturesque with movies and songs and all that different stuff. But in Christ, we have a home. In Christ, Christ has settled in our hearts and made himself home. And it gives us an ache for the distant land of home for all eternity. My prayer is, is that you don't have unheimlich, things in your house that you'd wish weren't there, because Christ has taken residence in doing his work. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you. Thank you that your son has taken residence in our heart. And that, Father, that our hearts and our minds and our souls don't need cleaning. They don't need preparation. That you entered in and, man, you're like, what in the world are you hoarding onto this for? That there's no judgment there, Father, that you are in your love with us. You're working through all that. So, Father, thank you. May we just, even maybe this morning, maybe we're struggling with this idea, maybe just imagine Jesus sitting in your favorite seat and propping his legs up in your recliner and saying, ah, I even like the dog hair. Father, may we let you establish your roots in our home, in our heart. And that as Ephesians tells us, that as we let you establish home in our heart that we'll know how deep and how wide and how vast your love is for us. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So this morning, that's one of the beautiful things about Ephesians 17 and following is that Christ makes his home with us. And as we experience his love for us over time, we understand how much he loves us, how wide and how deep and how vast his love is. And it says that we can, in that, we can experience. This is that knowledge that we get to experience. And not just a head knowledge, but experience it fully, like jumping into the deep with Jesus. 
My prayer is during this Christmas is that you would know that you would know that you know because of your experience with him that he has settled into your heart and is making it home. Let's stand together. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.